0: Chapter 11 of Chip of the Flying You. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marty on the Central Coast of California. Chip of the Flying You by B. M. Bauer. Good Intentions. Mr. Davidson have you nerve enough to help me replace this ankle the countess is too nervous and j g is too awkward chip was lying oblivious to his surroundings or his hurt in the sunny south room which dunk whitaker chose to call his i've never been accused of wanting nerve grinned weary i guess i can stand it if you can and a very efficient assistant he proved himself to be when the question of a nurse arose When all had been done that could be done, and Weary had gone, the little doctor found herself involved in an argument with the Countess. The Countess wanted them to send for Bill. Bill just thought the world and all of Chip, she declared, and would just love to come. She was positive that Bill was the very one they needed, and the little doctor, who had conceived a violent dislike for Bill, a smirky, self-satisfied youth, addicted to chewing tobacco red neckties and a perennial grin was equally positive he was the very one they did not want in despair she retrenched herself behind the assertion that chip should choose for himself i just know he'll choose bill crowed the countess after the flicker of the doctor's skirts chip turned his head rebelliously upon the pillow and looked up at her something in his eyes brought to mind certain stormy crises in the headstrong childhood of the little doctor crises in which she was forced to submission very much against her will it was the same mutinous surrender to overwhelming strength the same futile defiance of fate i came to ask you who you would rather have to nurse you she said trying to keep the erratic color from crimsoning her cheeks you see She had never had a patient of her very own before, and there were certain embarrassing complications in having this particular young man in charge. Chip's eyes wandered wistfully to the window, where a warm spring breeze flapped the curtains in and out. "'How long have I got to lie here?' he asked reluctantly. "'A month, at least. More likely six weeks,' she said with kind bluntness. It was best he should know the worst at once. Chip turned his face bitterly to the wall for a minute and traced an impossible vine to its breaking point where the paper had not been properly matched. Twenty miles away, the boys were hurrying through their early dinner that they might catch up their horses for the afternoon's work. And they had two good feet to walk on, two sound arms to subdue restless horse flesh, and he was not there. He could fairly smell the sweet, trampled sod as the horses circled endlessly inside the rope corral, and hear them snort when a noose swished close. He wondered who would get his string to ride, and what they would do with his bed. He didn't need it. Now he would lie on wire springs instead of the crisp prairie grass. He would be waited on like a yearling baby, and, "'The countess just knows you will choose Bill,' interrupted a whimsical girl voice. Chip said something which the little doctor did not try to hear distinctly. "'Don't she think I've had enough misery dealt me for once?' he asked, without taking his eyes from the poor broken vine. He rather pitied the vine. It seemed to have been badly used by fate, just as he had been. He was sure it had not wanted to stop right there on that line, as it had been forced to do. He had not wanted to stop either.' he she says bill would just love to come said the voice with a bit of laugh in it chip turning his head back suddenly looked into her gray eyes and felt inexplicably cheered he almost believed she understood something of what it all meant to him and she mercifully refrained from spoken pity which he felt he could not have borne just then his lips took back some of their curve you tell her i wouldn't just love to have him he said grimly "'I'd never dare. She dotes on Bill. Whom do you want?' "'When it comes to that, I don't want anybody. But if you could get Johnny Beckman to come—' "'Oh, I will. I'll go myself to make sure of him. Uh, Which one is Johnny?' "'Johnny's the red-headed one,' said Chip. "'But they're all—' "'Yes, but his head is several shades redder than any of the others,' interrupted he quite cheerfully. The little doctor, observing the twinkle in his eyes, felt her spirits rise wonderfully. She could not bear that hurt, rebellious, lonely look which they had worn. I'll bring him, but I may have to chloroform the countess to get him into the house. You must try to sleep while I'm gone. And don't fret, will you? You'll get well all the quicker for taking things easily. Chip smiled faintly at this wholesome advice, and the little doctor laid her hand shyly upon his forehead to test its temperature, drew down the shade over the south window, and left him in dim, shadowy coolness to sleep. She came again before she started for Johnny, and found him wide awake and staring hungrily at the patch of blue sky visible through the window which faced the east. "'You'll have to learn to obey orders better than this,' she said severely, and took quiet possession of his wrist. "'I told you not to fret about being hurt. "'I know you hate it,' Chip flushed a little under her touch "'and the tone in which she spoke the last words. "'It seemed to me that she hated it even more than he did, "'having him helpless in the house with her. "'It hadn't been so long since she had told him plainly "'how little she liked him. "'He was not going to forget in a hurry. "'Why don't you send me to the hospital?' he demanded brusquely. "'I could stand the trip all right. "'The little doctor the color coming and going in her cheeks, pressed her cool fingers against his forehead. "'Because I want you here to practice on. Do you think I'd let such a chance escape?' After she was gone, Chip found some things to puzzle over. He felt that he was no match for the little doctor, and for the first time in his life he deeply regretted his ignorance of woman nature." When the dishes were done, the countess put her resentment behind her and went in to sit with Chip with the best of intentions. The most disagreeable trait of some disagreeable people is that their intentions are invariably good. She had her crochet work, and Chip groaned inwardly when he saw her settle herself comfortably in a rocking chair and unwind her thread. The countess had worked hard all her life, and her hands were red and big-jointed, there was no pleasure in watching their clever manipulation of the little steel hook how are you feeling now you want a drink or anything chip did not want a drink and he felt all right he guessed the countess thought to cheer him a little Well, i do think it's too bad you got to lie here all through this purty spring weather if it had been in the winter when it's cold and stormy outside a person wouldn't mind it so much I know you must feel pretty blue over it, for you was always such a hand to be tearin' round the country on the dead run, seems like. I always told Mary that you and Weary always rode like the sheriff weren't more'n a mile behind you. And I suppose you feel it all the more seeing the roundups are just starting out. Weary said you was playin' big luck, and if you only knew enough to cash in your chips at the right time. But he's afraid you wouldn't be watching the game close enough and lose your pile. I don't know what he was driving at, and I guess he didn't either. It's too bad, anyway. I guess you didn't expect to wind up in bed when you rode off up the hill. But as the saying is, man plans and God displans," and I guess it's so. Here you are, laid up for the summer. Dale says it's the last thing on earth, I guess, that you was looking for. And you rode buckin' Bronx right along, too. I never looked for a wizard to buck you off. I must say, you got the name of being such a good rider, too. But they say to the pitcher that's always goin' to the well is bound to get busted sometime. And I guess your turn come to get busted. Anyway, I didn't get bucked off broke in chip angrily a bronc fighter is not more jealous of his sweetheart than of his reputation as a rider a fellow can't very well make a pretty ride while his horse is turning a somersault oh well i didn't happen to see it i thought weary said it you got throwed off on hog's back anyway i don't know it makes much difference how you happen to hit the ground i guess it does make a difference cried chip hotly his eyes took on the glitter of fever it means a whole heap of difference let me tell you i'd like to hear weary or anybody else stand up and tell me that i got bucked off i may be pretty badly smashed up but i'd come pretty near showing him where he stood oh well you needn't go to work and get mad about it remonstrated the countess dropping her thread in her perturbation at his excitement the spool rolled under the bed, and she was obliged to get down on her knees and claw it back, and she jarred the bed and set Chip's foot to hurting again something awful. When she finally secured the spool and resumed her chair, Chip's eyes were tightly closed, but the look of his mouth and the flush in his cheeks, together with his quick breathing, precluded the belief that he was asleep. The Countess was not a fool. She saw at once that fever which the little doctor had feared, was fast taking hold of him. She rolled her half-yard of edging around the spool of thread, jabbed the hook through the lump and went out and told the old man that Chip was getting worse every minute, which was the truth. The old man knocked the ashes out of his pipe and went in to look at him. "'Did Weary say I got bucked off?' demanded the sick man before the old man was fairly in the room. "'If he did, he lied, that's all.' I didn't think Weary'd do be dirt like that. I thought he'd stand by me if anybody would. He knows I wasn't throwed. I... Here, young fellow, put in the old man calmly. Don't you get to rampaging around over nothing. You turn over there and go to sleep. I'll be hanged if I will, retorted Chip. If Weary's taken to lying about me, I'll have it out with him if I break all the rest of my bones doing it. You think I'm going to stand a thing like that? i'll see easy there doggone it i never heard weary sage got bucked off wizard turned over on his head as near as i could make out for dust i took it he turned to somerset chip's befogged brain caught at that last word yes that's just what he did it beats me how weary would say or even think that i it was the jackrabbit first and i told her the supply was limited and if If we do furnish lots of amusement, but I guess I made her understand I wasn't so easy as she took me to be. She... Hey. The old man could hardly be blamed for losing the drift of Chip's rapid utterances. If we want to get them rounded up before the dance, I'll. it's a good thing it wasn't poison for seven dead kids at once. The old man knew something about sickness himself. He hurried out, returning in a moment with a bowl of cool water and a fringed napkin which he pilfered from the dining room table, wisely intending to bathe Chip's head. But Chip would have none of him or his wise intentions. He jerked the wet napkin from the old man's fingers and threw it down behind the bed, knocked up the bowl of water into the old man's face and called him some very bad names. The countess came and looked in and Chip hurled a pillow at her and called her a bad name also so that she retreated to the kitchen with her feelings very much hurt after that chip had the south room to himself until the little doctor returned with johnny the old man looking rather scared met her on the porch the little doctor read his face before she was off her horse what's the matter is he worse she demanded abruptly that's for you to find out ain't no doctor he got on the fight a while back and took to throwing things and using language He can't get out of bed, thank the Lord, or we'd be taken to the hills by now. Then somebody has it to answer for. He was all right when I left him two hours ago. Not a sign of fever. Has the Countess been pestering him? No, said the Countess, popping her head out of the kitchen window and speaking in an aggrieved tone. I hope I never pester anybody, and I wouldn't done all I could to cheer him up. And that's all the thanks I get for it. I must say, some folks ain't overburdened with gratitude anyhow. The little doctor did not wait to hear her out. She went straight to the south room, pulling off her gloves on the way. The pillow on the floor told her an eloquent tale, and she sighed as she picked it up and patted some shape back into it. Chip stared at her with wide, bright eyes from the bed. I don't suppose Dr. Cecil Grantham would throw pillows at anybody he remarked sarcastically as she placed it very gently under his head perhaps if the provocation was great enough what have they been doing to you did weary say i got bucked off he demanded excitedly the little doctor was counting his pulse and waited till she had finished it was a high number much higher than she liked no weary didn't how could he you didn't you know i saw it all from the bluff and i know the horse turned over upon you it's a wonder you weren't killed outright now don't you worry about it any more i expect it was the countess who told you that weary hated dreadfully to leave you i wonder if you know how much he thinks of you i didn't till i saw how he looked when you were here drink this all of it you've got to sleep you see there was a week when the house was kept very still and the south room very cool and shadowy, and Chip did not much care who it was that ministered to him, only that the hands of the little doctor were always soft and soothing on his head, and he wished she would keep them there always, when he was himself enough to wish anything coherently. End of Chapter 11 Recording by Marty on the Central Coast of California